Hey, everybody, it's Kyle. Today's episode of 10 Questions is with Carissa Thompson, one of the most successful people in sports media and just such a cool woman. We talked all about how she got to where she is now, and if she could interview any athlete and any celebrity in the world, who would she pick? So fun and so competitive. Carissa Thompson on 10 Questions. Take it away, Bruce Buffer. This podcast is scheduled for 10 Questions. Fighting! Out of New York, standing at 5 feet 11 inches tall, and wearing the red, white, and blue trunks, presenting Kyle Brandt! Yeah! Thank you, Bruce Buffer, the voice of 10 questions with a dynamic intro as always. And this episode deserves a dynamic intro because we have a dynamic contestant. If you never listened to the show before, how dare you? We have 10 questions every single time. Each one is worth one point. We don't just chit-chat and have conversations. We have a pure competition here. And you leave with a score. You can get a 10. It's never been done. We've had some nines. You can get a one. You can get a zero. We'll see where today's contestant shakes out. Before he or she gets in here, though, Let's lay the land out for this contestant. Maybe some prior contestants, give a little context, maybe set a little goal. Give me a roll call. I'm Rob Gronkowski. And I'm Camille Kostick. And, and we, we got, got a six, six out of 10. ten. Hi, I'm Paul Rudd. And I got a seven out of 10. Hey, I'm Aaron Andrews. I got a five out of 10. All right, there it is. Let's get her in here. This contestant. Once just took all her stuff and put it in a storage unit because she's like, I'm traveling so much for work. Why would I bother paying rent? Just store the stuff. She also has worn an IFB for years at work and freely admits she doesn't know what IFB stands for. And she will watch Christmas Vacation year round, not just Christmas season. She'll watch it in the spring, in the summer, which I'm appalled by, but I respect the stones on this one. This is the great Carissa Thompson. What's up, Carissa? That's amazing. I gotta tell you that this is amazing for a lot of reasons because A, I forgot I even said or did those things at one point in my life. Aaron only scored five out of 10. Are these questions about ourselves? All of them. So glad you asked, Carissa. That's the natural host in you. The questions are weird, but my oath to every contestant is that I promise you in some way they are linked to you or your career. And yes, Aaron Andrews only got five. Do you have a goal, Carissa, today? In life, I mean, my father always said, those who fail to set their goals fail to reach them. So I'm just going to hope to get five like Aaron because, you know, it, the friends that we are, will just hope to be average at, at everything. Oh my gosh. Your dad and my dad could have gone bowling together. Dads love goals, don't they? God bless oh, them. They love them. It's unbelievable. I had Vince Lombardi quotes all over my walls growing up. Forget yeah. Care Bears. It was Vince Lombardi. Yeah, but. And you got to write them down. If you don't write them down, they don't count. That was the way Bob Brandt was. So here's the deal, Carissa. You said five to at least tie Aaron Andrews, your co-host on the Calm Down podcast, which we're going to talk about. Should you stumble or should you be flummoxed by one of these questions? You do have a lifeline here. And our lifeline on 10 questions is called Ask a Millennial. We have a real living, breathing millennial in another room here. His name is Richie. He's hit or miss. And you can call him in and he can lend his uh, youthful perspective to the question. Is that cool? Is there a window where Richie is? Can he see out or oh, just? Yeah. Okay. No, good. it's like, he's just like one of us. And you'll just be like, get Richie in here. And then it'll be a try box here and he'll come in and he'll mutter and stumble and probably not know it, but sometimes he does. Okay, perfect. I just wanted to know if we were putting the lotion in the basket or what room he was in. I was worried for a second. He's yeah. in the dungeon with Precious the dog and it's going to be that kind of show. Thompson is already on fire. Let's get this thing started. All right. You can't get to 10 points unless you get to one. First question for Carissa Thompson. Your category is the 90s. 
the 90s. We hit the atmospheric music for the 90s. Carissa, what Nickelodeon show starred oh, Melissa Joan Hart? Excuse me? Carissa explains it all. Oh, baby, she's off to a good start. She's jumping the questions. Clarissa explains it damn all. I will let you finish the question moving forward. I just wanted to make sure that you knew that I was off to a hot start in case it's all downhill after there. I hear Nickelodeon and I have PTSD and I go straight Melissa Joan Hart and not just her performance on these Hallmark movies as of late, but for sure. No, she kills it on those. Why PTSD? Because no one knows that my name is Carissa. Whenever I introduce myself, they're like, oh, Clarissa? Like, well, well, there's no L, but no. And it's just that show has, which, by the way, it could be worse things, but it could be Clarice for the aforementioned yeah. <laughs> well, Silence of the Lambs. But no, it's it's definitely synonymous with my my name now, Clarissa. It's ironic because then you have to explain it, what your name is. So do you, um, do you like your name? So do you, my name came for my father, who all things stem from my father, including my, I don't know, existence on earth. My father, I'm the, I'm the youngest of three. My parents, how much time do we have? It's 10 questions. Don't worry about it. Just go, Carissa, go. Um, my, I, they had me when I was 22 years old and I was the third of the children. Whoops. They started very early at, in the Thompson household. So by the time I got around to me my dad's like, who gives a shit what her name is? My mom definitely didn't care what my name was. Just name her something. So my dad found my name in a Sports Illustrated swimsuit edition. And it was some redhead hot model chick. My dad's like, I like this name. My mom goes, cool, whatever, just name her. So that's where my name came from. Do I like it? Yeah, because it's different. But now I don't like it because I have to explain that it's not Clarissa. I like it though, because Chris, it really works for you because you can just be known as Carissa. It's almost like Carmelo or, you know, like Saquon. Like you're just one of those first name people that immediately people know who you're talking about. Really? Well, yeah, absolutely. That's nice of you, Kyle. All right, I'll look at it that way from now on. You know what's crazy is that I, I've been doing my research on you. And so it's interesting that your dad took your name from Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Issue because many years later, maybe to his chagrin, I believe you were offered to pose and paint by that same publication, weren't you? Yes. <laughs> That's weird. Now it seems like a really great offer. I shouldn't think that. I know. <laughs> At the time, I was like so insulted by it. Um, no, but you said no, and look where you are, and now you have to explain your name sometimes. But I wonder about this. When you were, oh, let's say at Inglemore High or your UCSB, you knew what you wanted to be early. I know that about you. What was like for young Carissa, what would have been your definition of success? Like if I can do this in that industry, like I made it being on ESPN. For me, it was, if I make it to ESPN, I have made it. I used to sit with my dad every Sunday. I'd go to church. And then until around the time I was like six or seven, then I started hanging out with my dad. And the only way I got to hang out with my dad on Sunday and not go to church was if I was very quiet, watched football with him and he would teach me the game. So the difference between offsides or false start, all that kind of stuff. But I was not allowed to talk. He would only ask me questions. The only time I could talk was to give an answer. So I would watch Berman and I always thought to myself, if I could work at ESPN and meet Chris Berman, like I've made it. And then I met Chris Berman and like Chris Berman is still so nice and texts me like Merry Christmas. And I it, actually, he says like aloha and mahalo because he's half the time in Hawaii. And I think I've made it. So. Well, you have. And it's funny because you've really made it with Berman. People don't know this. They know that he does the nicknames for the players, but I've come to learn that like everyone in his life has a nickname and like everyone that works with him at ESPN has a nickname. Did you have a Berman nickname? Is that one of the questions? No, this is just oh, us okay. talking. I was like, damn it, I'm going to get this wrong because I definitely <laughs> don't know. You didn't? No, I don't know. 
Probably Clarissa. I'm- <laughs> yeah, it right. Carissa explains it all, Thompson. Or Carissa Thompson twins. <laughs> you know, something like that. All right, that's great. Mm-hmm. I love Boomer too. I grew up at the same kind of sports center. You know that. Um, Carissa, not Clarissa. Carissa, you're one for one. You got one point. You're doing great already. Let's move to two. Question number two with Carissa. This is when it gets weird. There's always that nice icebreaker question. I'm going right for it now. Your category for question number two is Animal Kingdom. Pay attention to this one's weird. Carissa, the urine from what animal is often used to repel small mammals? In other words, you're a farmer, agriculturalist, and you will spread this animal's urine maybe on your ground to repel pests. And I would only remind you that I know you're not a farmer. This does have something to do with you in some way, I promise. Every time I peed in my bed when I was younger. Oh, that was uh, it. I found that. Humans. Humans. Dude. Um, what? I don't know. I don't know. Um, I'll just pick a cat. Carissa says a cat's urine. That is incorrect. Incorrect. See this? Now you're going to understand how the game works, Chris. This is going to set in for you right here. The urine comes from a fox. Uh, a fox. You you work for fox. Ooh, they was- will take fox's urine and just spray it everywhere. And like the gophers and all that are like, oh, that's fox's urine. It's disgusting. And they won't go on the like the crops. Isn't that crazy? I know. I love- so I fox. Love- I love what's going on here. We're- Aaron and I should start doing nine questions. Just- <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, listen, you're right on pace with Aaron because she was a 500 hitter. And so are you one for two. I'm asking you about fox, of course. Um, you know, it- it's funny. I asked Aaron the same question. Both of you guys, in my opinion, are maddeningly self-deprecating, which I think is an attractive quality, but I'm trying to get through this. So I'm going to ask you, you've been working in the media for a long time. You've been with Fox for a long time. Right now in your job, for Fox specifically, what is something, Carissa, that you do really well? And Okay, I can't self-deprecate? Um, no, like what, what you, you're good at a lot of things. What oh, comes to mind? Which oh. like, I got this. I think, well, this is hard for me to like say this and like, you know, break my arm, patting myself on the back. I think I do a good job of putting people at ease um, in interviews that if I've never met them before, I think uh, I would like to believe that they get comfortable pretty quickly having a conversation with me because there's that very short amount of time, especially I learned this in entertainment that on a red carpet and you've got the publicist saying you've got two questions. Let's go. Like you have to immediately try to establish rapport with someone uh, and do it authentically. So I'd like to believe that that's a gift I have. You know, what's so funny. I mean, I'm not making this up. I wrote down a contingency plan in case you refused to say something you were good at. You know what I wrote, Carissa? I'm not kidding. It says it right here. Good at making people comfortable. I wrote that down. That's That's exactly what you're talking about. And you are, uh, what's the secret? Like if you were to sit down with someone who was nervous or maybe stiff and a little stoic like how do you how do you go about it in that two minutes before you have to start i'm going to tell you this all comes from working in the service industry so i've worked every service industry job i've been a hostess i've been a waitress i've been a bartender i i've all of that and for me it all comes down to greeting a table that you're you're waiting i have to establish a connection where it's like hi my name is carissa i'll be taking care of you guys tonight and you know that you're out to dinner 
you're paying for a service. You want to get your drinks in. If you, if you know, especially if you've been waiting for a while outside the restaurant, I need a drink. I need an appetizer. And if you already know what you want to eat, you don't want the waitress or waiter to be like, I'll be right back with the waters. You're like, no, I'm going to give you a whole menu. <laughs> so for me, it's sort of reading people. If the, per, if the interview subject is, you can tell like standoffish, I immediately go, you don't like interviews, do you? Cause I'm already going to say what that person's thinking. So then they're like, Oh, relieved. Like, mm. yeah, I hate interviews. I'm like, Oh, cool. So this isn't an interview. So let's just diffuse or, or get that out of the way. Um, so I, for me, it's about reading people and what they want, walking up to that table. If I can tell they're agitated and irritated, we're going to get drinks over here right away because the quicker you get drunk, the more you tip me and it's fun for everyone. That's so beautiful. Cause I know some about your service industry background and we're going to talk about that. And one of my questions was going to be, do you think it really translates or is that a myth? And obviously you do. Speaking of that translation, Chris, the last question I want to ask you here and then move on. I know you get this. I, I'm very humbled to get it myself in a smaller amount. Now more than ever, someone can contact you through Instagram or whatever they want to do. And it's all, it's this, hi, my name is Casey and I live in Missouri and I want to do what you do for a living. And I work so hard and I'm really smart. And like, I really want to do exactly what you do with my dream job. And like, I really want to do everything you do. So those people, those like sweet, sweet, ambitious people, what do you say when they say, how can I get your job? How can I get there? What is your message? My message is always start from the beginning. I just, the only advice I can give them is the advice that worked for me. So for me, I always knew I wanted to be a sports broadcaster. Everybody can say like, oh, I want to be on TV, but what do you have to do? The old mailroom story, story, get in the building. And so for me, it was the only job that was available in the Fox sports building was an HR assistant. You know me well enough to know I am a violation in every capacity <laughs> HR, drinking on my lunch break, you know, like harassing men. Like I, I, I should not be working in HR, but I lied to get, I, I lied in my interview to get the job. I was like, I really love working with people, blah, blah, blah. I did the whole story and I left the interview and I felt so bad about lying in the interview. I called the guy back I interviewed with and I was like, so here's the deal. I don't really want to work in HR. Um, I really want to be on air, but I, you know, just wanted a, a job in the building. He calls me back a week later, Kyle, and he says, you get the job. You get the job because you were honest about your intentions and HR is all about honesty. So my lesson there was just say what it is. What's the worst that can happen? Because when I walked out of the interview, I was like, there's no way he's giving me this job. Um, and so transparency, I think is a big thing for me and advice that I, I would give to, to those that want to do this is just be honest about your intentions and say like, Oh, I get it. I'm Casey. I'm hot. I'm 23 and I'm from Missouri. And I want to be like every other girl on TV, but I'm going to outwork you. And this is what I'm, I'm going to carry the cameraman sticks and I'm going to edit and I'm going to write my own stuff. And I'm going to do all the things that everybody else doesn't want to do. And hopefully somewhere in between there, somebody believes you mm. and they give you the opportunity. When they give you the opportunity, you follow through with it. Yeah. There's an authenticity to it. And Casey in Missouri, who, by, for the record, I just made up, take that, listen to it, because that was just like a master class. That was great. Missouri, that was Miss Potter up, and she's ready. And I hope she reaches out to me on DM, because I'll Casey, help. Casey, reach out to Carissa on DM. She's one for two, by the way, on 10 questions. As we go to question number three, your category, Carissa Thompson, is air travel. Mm. All right, listen to this. Famously, back in the day, American Airlines saved $40,000 by removing one what from their first class salads. Got 
the salads they serve in first class. There's the several ingredients. They said, take one of those out. They did, and they saved $40,000, and now it's like an economics lesson. What did they remove? I'm thinking two things, either a crouton or a tomato. <laughs> Croutons are bread, so that feels like they're, they can be stale, and it's still fine. So I'm going to go with the fresher of the two and say tomato. She's going to go tomato, it's produce, it's smarts. Is it tomato? It's, um, it's, it's right there. It was an olive. They removed one olive and left a couple in, and it saved them $40,000. It was an olive. How do you feel? Pissed? No, I want to know what it has to do with me. Is it because I like a dirty martini, so there's an olive situation? Because I'm going to give you a link to it. <laughs> <laughs> you already have one. The dirty martinis are why you decided not to take the HR job, among other reasons, and I love that. <laughs> However, uh, here's the thing I learned about you. You, uh, you know, you worked for Extra for a long time, and you've been on record as saying, like, ugh, I hate asking my people's personal life. Yes. I totally relate, and so I'm going to ask you about your personal life. I also read that you met your current husband, Kyle, on an airplane. Is that I true? I did. I was on my way to Minnesota to do a Daniil Hunter interview. Uh, it was a 6 a.m. <laughs> flight. I sat next to him. I remember sitting down and being like, that guy's hot. Good night. Slept the entire flight. And as the flight was on its descent, he was walking back from the bathroom. He sat down and he's like, Hey, I think you hosted this thing I was at. And I was like, cool, let's get married. And we got engaged three months later. And that was it. Okay. That is an incredible romance. Uh, (laughs) Hold on. You fell asleep. You sat down. You said, you see guys, the guy's hot. Nobody ever gets the hot single person next to him on a plane. That's like only in movies. You did get it. And are you telling me you went right to sleep? Like you didn't want to chat up the guy first? I'm fascinated. No, because by I, this. Had a boy, I had a boyfriend at the time. And I, I remember, but this is this was the move I did myself with here. And I remember going like this. My boyfriend was so weird and controlling at the time. Okay, and he great. made me like call him before I took off, off whatever. Sure. And I remember going like this. So Kyle's like sitting here and he's hot. And I was like, okay, bye. Like being really quiet so that the, the hot guy next to me would hear that I was saying bye, I love you to the guy on the phone. Um, but yeah, and then I got off the plane and I was like, I think I just met my husband. And then fast forward to, I was doing the interview and I knew the makeup artist in Minnesota. And I was like, Sal, I think I just met my husband. He goes, don't you have a boyfriend? I go, yeah, but like that, that's over anyways. And so I was like, but he, I go, he didn't ask me for his number. And I was like, oh, whatever. And Sal goes, well, maybe he DM'd you now in this world that we live in. And I, so I looked and he had, and he was like, oh Hey, God. if you don't have a boyfriend, the next time I'm in LA, I would love to take you out for a drink. And so I'm thinking like, well, great. By the time you ever get to LA, I won't have a boyfriend. And then fast forward to, he was in LA a week later. And then I was like, shit, I got to really break up with my boyfriend to go out on this drink. So yeah, this is, this is a beautiful tale. This is like everything. I missed the olive question. Forget the love. (laughs) I'm very upset about the olive. I mean, you're so logical, a crouton or tomato, no tomato. Um, Two questions. When you got the DM from him, like, did, was your heart a flutter? Like, did, yeah, was it like go, a, the, no, this is what I said. You'll I go, we got action. We've yes. got action. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, I was never going to reach out to him. And so since he had sent the message, I was like, all right, this is, this is, we can get, we can go somewhere with this. See, yeah. people are listening to this right now, Chris, if they don't know you, they're like, let me get this straight. This girl is like really cool and down to earth. She has this amazing dream job. She met Prince Charming on an airplane. Like this sounds great. And I know you've worked your ass off and you've been through all the wars and everything, but give me that moment. Like when you said I walked off the plane and I think I met my husband, what what was it? Describe that to us. How could you feel that strongly after that sort of a meeting? I, I, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm very, um, it's the gambler in me that if I, like I'm chips all in, like on anything, like I'm good or bad, right? Like I'm someone that 
I, I bought a house and I had never seen it in person. I like saw a Zillow listing and had my real estate agent like time me and like walk through the house. And I was like, cool, do an inspection. I'll take it. And so for me, I'm very impulsive. Like if I, sometimes that works out and sometimes it doesn't, but I trust my instincts. My instincts are something that have never failed me. So when I walked off the plane and he was on his way home to Iowa to go to his high school class reunion, he was, he's a sports agent. And like, so all these things sort of, and I was like, are you married with kids? And like all this kind of stuff. I've seen a lot of, you know, dateline's. You never know, really. Yeah. Playing. Oh, shit. Like, the, the second family off to the side. A lot of people trust in their instincts and dateline, too. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Insert Keith Rich. What's his name? What's his name on dateline? Keith. Uh, what's his name? I love him so much. I don't know Keith's name, but it never oh, ends it's well. Unbelievable, it's unbelievable voice that he like walks in. It's like, oh, his white hair. Anyways. Oh, yeah. So I trust my instincts and, uh, yeah. So I, I literally, he came to LA and we went on a date and then got engaged three months later. Unbelievable. It's it's so cool. I, some people like want to do that and they're afraid. This is how Carissa lives life. This is why I cannot wait to talk to her today. Will she trust her instincts though on question number four, which she kind of needs. You don't want to get three in a row wrong, but this is, this is Carissa. You're going to be happy with this because question number four, um, is called name the movie. I'm going to play you a clip from a movie. It's about 20 seconds long. Listen to the whole thing, even if you know it, and all you have to do is name the movie it's from, and hopefully my research will hold up hold up for me here. Carissa, we've done this a lot. This is the most badass movie clip we have ever played in any episode. Carissa Thompson, name the movie. I took the father, now I'll take the son. You tell young Valen, I'm gonna paint Paradise Square with his blood. Two coats. I'll festoon my bedchamber with his guts. As for you, Mr. Tammany fucking Hall, you come down to the points again, and you'll be dispatched by mine own hand. What do you think? It's so so obvious, isn't it? It, it, To me it is, and this this movie was chosen based on something I researched about you. And I think you're on record as really enjoying this movie. So I know you know it. I enjoy a lot of movies, but now I'm gonna now I'm on the spot to pull out the quote. I like Scarface, I like Godfather, I like the departed. Alright, do you recognize the actor at all? Like do you recognize that voice? No. Do you need to hear it again? Yeah. Alright, cut the music and play it one more time. Um I did not pull this out of thin air. I'm very thorough in this. Everybody be quiet and Carissa, listen to this quote of this actor. Go ahead. I took the father, now I'll take the son. You tell young Valen, I'm gonna paint Paradise Square with his blood. Two coats. I'll festoon my bedchamber with his guts. As for you, Mr. Tammany fucking hole, you come down to the points again, and you'll be dispatched by mine own Oh, oh my God, oh my God, of course, I know it's the butcher, it's it's Gangs of New York. Yeah! Daniel Day-Lewis, I was like, wait, what am I I'm like, oh my God, because I was thinking about, I was like, I love Scarface. And I was like, yep. of course, it's the butcher, Daniel Day Lewis's character in Gangs of New York. Yes. Unbelievable. Oh my God. That's like so embarrassing that it took me that long to get it. But I was like overthinking it. And I was like, oh my God, of course I know who this is. My favorite actor of all, actually, yes. Anthony Hopkins, but okay. I also love Daniel Day Lewis. Oh my God. I'm happy for you. I'm proud of you. You did I'm it. I'm so sorry that that, thank you for giving me a bonus. You know, listen. Because- of course. No, it happens all the time. I found, there's a Does bio it? out of you out there and I think it's even from Fox. 
where you list that as one of your favorite movies. It is because his performance, well, I just love him because he totally immerses himself in every character, Abraham Lincoln, everything. But anyways, we're all out of time because you made me listen to that clip or you had to listen to that clip twice. But yeah, oh my God, don't you love that movie? I love it. I love it. Um, You know, my wife doesn't love that movie. It just doesn't sit well with her. It's just the violence. That's not her thing. Yeah. It's a very cool movie to 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 be into, and yeah, I got I told you I was I was doing a ton of research for this. I texted just like my 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 text chain of buds, college, high school, and everything. And one of my go guys, Carissa Thompson, I'm talking to her. What are your impressions? And the first one through was my guy Kev, who's kind of cynical, and he's like, "Seems cool. Seems like it would be a really good hang." Like, there's a, something that you have like that, and I feel like choosing Gangs of New York is playing into that. Do you feel like you can get along with people really well, Chris, or do you feel like you have to try hard? Well, I have to try hard to remember one of my favorite movies and actors, but um, <laughs> I, you know what? That's very sweet that he'd say that. I I would like to believe, and I, I don't know, maybe it's the way I was raised. I'd like to believe that I could go and hang with you at a dive bar or the White House. Mm-hmm. And the reason I, I say that is because not to be a chameleon and be fraudulent, like, oh, I'm both things, but I, I, do believe I can hang in both places. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I would hope would make me a good hang because, and a lot of it has to do with just job experience now too, like the difference between athletes and actors in Hollywood and stuff like that. Like everyone's just people. And so like, if you get down to the core of it, like meaning like the, you know, the biggest George Clooney is the nicest person in, on the entire planet. I know Schrager told you about that story. at Craig. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, unbelievable. Jim Nance, are you here? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Tell the story. Just give the people a taste. What they're, okay, what they're here's talking about. So your really good friend and co-worker, Peter Schrager and I, and yeah. Aaron, we all go out to dinner. He's out here, of course, every weekend doing the Fox show with us. We go out to dinner at Craig's, which is a trendy restaurant here in LA, not having any expectations of anything. We're just going to catch up and go hang out. Uh, Craig, who owns the restaurant, is really sweet and always like, you know, make sure that we're taken care of. Anyways, he comes over to the table, make sure we're good. He's like, oh, Jim Nance is here. You guys should say hi to Jim Nance and da 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 all of a sudden the doors open up a private room and I see Clooney like a, uh, an angel, a halo, which is ah, the doors open. And Aaron has never met Clooney. Schrager's never met Clooney. I've had, I've gotten the pleasure of interviewing him a few times sure. on the red carpet. And he's always amazing. Half the time we're drinking. It's fine. The golden globes, give me a Casamigos tequila. So I'm pretending now 17 tequilas in that I'm best friends with him. So I'm like, guys, I can get us in that room. That's not going to be a problem. Anyways, long story short, in omitting some details for anonymity reasons, I get us in the room and now Schrager's like high-fiving with Clooney. Aaron's, you know, he's like, of course I know who Aaron's like, I don't think you know me. He's like, I know who you are. It's a whole thing. Hilarity ensues. But yeah, it was just a casual dinner. Point being is Clooney's freaking great. Um, and so are, you know, the biggest athletes that you've ever interviewed. So somewhere in between just treat people like people and they'll hopefully respond. And the people that don't act normal, uh, then you don't want to hang out with them anyways. Well, we're going to get into that because I know you have thoughts about normal people, famous people, successful people. And I want to talk about athletes versus actors interviewing them because you've done it all. In the meantime, you're two out of four. We're coming to the halfway point. Question number five, Carissa Thompson, one of the hosts of the Calm Down podcast, which I've listened to several times. Carissa, question five. 80s TV is your category. 80s TV. All right. What iconic action-adventure series starred Richard Dean Anderson? Action-adventure series? Correct. Iconic, you've heard of it. 
You've referenced it. The star of the show was an actor named Richard Dean Anderson, and I know you're familiar with it. And people are screaming it at their phones and their headphones right now. Action adventure series? And this is in the 80s? 80s action adventure series, yeah. It was on in primetime. Everybody watched it. It's become part of, you know, the zeitgeist. Um, Even the name, this is the last hint I'll give you before the lawyers get mad. Uh, The name of the show has actually become a verb. And I know that you've used it before. God! <laughs> now I gotcha. Seriously. Action adventure series. Richard Dean Anderson, late eighties. Do you want? I see. I would say you could bring in the millennial, but like I don't think he was born. So he's not good for this one. I wouldn't think he's not good for most of them, but like probably not this one is ideal. And yet, if you know nothing, maybe he can. Maybe why, he'll surprise why, us. Why? Why do you think I know this? Because I've heard you use it before. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. It anything to do with the John Hughes movie, so I've definitely not said it. Nope. We will address the John Hughes movie later in this, in this conversation, but not here. Do you want to take a shot? Do you want to do the uh, millennial, or do you want to punt? Bonanza? Bonanza. It's not it, but I'm just throwing something out. It's not Bonanza. It's not Bonanza. All right. Here's the quote. I'm going to give you the answer in a form of your own words, which I have written down here. Carissa Thompson is on record as saying, and I quote, I love uncomfortable situations and trying to MacGyver out of them. MacGyver, starring Richard Dean Anderson. How do you feel? (laughs) I feel like I don't even know myself anymore. I feel like I am a stranger living in this vessel. Do you think you should have known that in that vessel? In a tuxedo that is all denim. I don't know who I am right now. And can let me turn the lights on in my house. Am I living in the dungeon with the millennial? I thought it was a little strange. It's a little bit of a Buffalo Bill, but go ahead. Because it was it was light or whatever it was when go. I was doing the podcast with Aaron, but geez, let's put some light on the situation. Maybe I'll wake up really. Maybe this will change it up because you're two out of five. It was MacGyver. Okay. You know, what? you know what? I start off slow and I, and I'm, I'm really good. I'm a good anchor leg on a relay. Okay. All right. Well, you said you only wanted to get five, so you only have to get three more points. It is MacGyver. What do you mean by that? Um, you said, I love uncomfortable situations and trying to MacGyver out of them. Give me an example. Give me an example. Never mind the personal life. Like at work, what is an uncomfortable situation you might get into that you could MacGyver your way out of? Uh, Terry Bradshaw last last year on the show. Terry was talking about something, and he was talking about the ratings were really high on Thursday night, or or he said like, oh, Thursday night was like such a great game, and how he said. Yeah, but your your zipper was undone the whole time. And I go, whoa, no wonder the ratings were so high. Hey. I mean, I mean, what, what do you want from me? Like, I, I, what am I supposed to do here? What am Why I, we can't talk about Terry Bradshaw's zipper being down and I'm supposed to make a transition. <laughs> Things are looking up. I mean, what am I supposed to do here? You know, That's so I great, believe that I can get out of situation, but forget TV. I'm better in life at MacGyvering out of situation. Like I'm the gal that you want on Survivor. Like I can, I can, you know, turn a rope into a house. Like the other night I got locked out of my house. I took the ladder from my, uh, I have my home at house and home, this interior design company I started in the garage. I have a ladder. I took it off the rack. It's like a library ladder. I took it off the rack, got a picnic table or my, my dining, whatever this is, the table that's out in my yard, my, yeah. you know, whatever. Um, put the ladder on top of the table and then scaled the wall. 
I can make, I can, if I'm locked out, no problem. I can, I can find a solution. Wow. So does that, did that come from childhood again? And I, again, your dad, first of all, what's your dad's name? Scott. Scott, because he's been the star of the show. I feel like oh, I'm talking Scott, to Scott. Star of every show, yeah. Mm -hmm. Was Scott teaching you how to do that stuff, or did you just learn on your own out of necessity, like when you were trying to make it? Yeah, Scott's a big, what's the problem? Let's find a solution, because there's a lot of people that just want to talk about problems and then look for other people to find solutions. So he, it's very much a, you know, plan your work, work your plan kind of thing. Like, all right, this is what we're presented with. Now, how are you going to fix it? All right, so let me, let me, let me finish with this. I want you to give yourself a one to 10 uh, DIY ranking. Number one is like, I can't even really ha bang a nail in to hang a picture. And number 10 is I can actually build my own house. Are you, I where are you in one of these? You can be your 10. Yeah, I'm a 10. That's wow. the only thing I'll brag about is, is when it comes to like being handy around the house, like I can fix things. That's so cool. Like just, that's just natural. I, I don't have that at all. I'm like a three. No, that's okay because you're great at everything else. You're really good at this game. Aaron and I's podcast, I'm surprised, is even still on the air. But uh, watching it, how you do this. So we've got to step up our game. Well, listen, I'm looking at that gorgeous stack stone behind you that I know you did yourself. It took about 80, <laughs> 80 man hours or woman hours or people hours. It looks beautiful, Carissa. <laughs> it's a large stone, and thank you for noticing. <laughs> um, here's what I've noticed. We're at the halfway point. You're two out of five, and I want you to pick it up. And so I'm going to go to your wheelhouse. Now, um, question number six for Carissa, who said she, her goal was a five out of 10, and she still has a lifeline. Your category is coffee, Carissa. Carissa, what are the four ingredients of a Starbucks caramel macchiato? Ooh, thank you for asking. I appreciate that. You want to start by putting the caramel drizzle in the bottom of the cup, so that's okay. one. Then milk. Then you pour the espresso shot, that's the third element, over the top of the milk, that's what makes it a macchiato, and then the caramel syrup. So there's syrup, there's the actual sauce, there's the espresso, and the milk. One of the best answers we've had in the history of the show that is absolutely correct. Carissa, you've never been cooler or more confident. Why do you know that so well? Well, Kyle, I, I appreciate you asking. I was a Starbucks barista, as you know, from doing your diligent research, which I'm so impressed by. I'm going to start going to you for research on interviews. <laughs> um, and I also owned my own coffee stand when I moved to Corona Del Mar. I moved to Laguna Beach right when I graduated high school. Yeah, because I remember going down there as a kid. It was actually for the Iowa uh, Husky Rose Bowl. We went down there as a family and we went to Laguna Beach and I was like, I always want to live here. Anyways, Graduated high school. My parents were like, cool, we don't have any money. So you get to go to community college for the first two years, get your residency in California. So I'd go to school at night and I'd work during the day. Well, I had to get insurance. So I'd work at Starbucks, but I hated Starbucks coffee and I hated Howard Schultz for getting rid of the Sonic. So I used Howard Schultz for the insurance. And then I opened up an espresso stand right next to the Starbucks in Corona Del Mar on Marguerite and PCH. So I could then sell Italian coffee, Illy coffee to anyone that didn't like Starbucks. So I would take off the green apron, walk right next door. And I had a little coffee stand called coffee time where I sold a different kind of coffee. What? So you were, it was like kind of like an undercutting operation or like a spite totally. store, like from curb. Yeah, it was. That's exactly what it was. It, Larry got the idea from me. So thank you, Larry, for giving me credit for that. But that's exactly what it was. Mm -hmm. And right. how did Starbucks feel about that? Like Starbucks corporate? Um, they didn't think of me as a huge competition, so they didn't do it. <laughs>
Because there's a girl from Washington that's almost like blasphemous. It's like someone from Green, being Green Bay, like trying to spite the Packers or something. You know, like that's like that's that's Starbucks Seattle institution. I only, re- I only revolted because he got rid of my Sonics, but I knew that they provided great insurance, and it was like my only skill set because my first ever job was a barista when I was 16. So I was like, well, I know how to make coffee, so I got to go with the large corporation, and then I don't like the you know owner of the company, so let's just go ahead and you know the five dollars I made at Coffee Time. I'm sure really he really took a hit on. Coffee time. That's a cute little name too. Well, I didn't want anyone to be confused about what I was selling. You know, it's it's coffee and it's time for you to come over here. That's so great. I I wish there was like coffee time, like visors or aprons or something out there. (laughs) Ironically. I'm sure there's one somewhere in a box. Um, Back uh, with due respect to coffee time. When you were the 16 year old at Starbucks, uh, who would you say now doing what you've done? Who is a, a more demanding type of person? The, diehard NFL fan or like the every single day Starbucks customer? Ooh, that's really good. That's a toss up. Depends on the fan base. I mm-hmm. mean, if Packers or the Steelers, you know, like real, real diehard fans. Mm-hmm. Um, but people took their coffee very seriously. The second someone started saying half a Splenda, I just gave the middle <laughs> finger behind the, the, the machine and I put the whole Splenda in there and said, deal with it. You don't know the difference. Half a Splenda. And that, that's a real uh-huh. thing that people do. Oh, yeah. I remember this was Newport Beach. Oh, right. Marguerite and PCH. Half the split. Because whole splendor would be too much. Holy <laughs> shit. Did you have flair, like, on your name tag and your apron I and wish, all that? I wish I was Jennifer Aniston, and I wish that was a question. I would have got that right um, on, like, MacGyver. But, no, I didn't have flair. Uh, I just had a lot of crumbs. I was eating a lot of scones at that time. Oh, because yeah. I had no money. Oh, yeah. I was waiting. I was, I was like, I was like an offensive lineman in Wisconsin at that time. I was like 180 strong. Yeah. My, my, one of my favorite things that I have learned about you is that you were the sole proprietor of Coffee Time Espresso <laughs> Shop in Orange County, California. <laughs> Ambitious as hell. Unbelievable. All right, Carissa, you got that one right. Like, you got that one right easily. So you're three out of six. And here's the good news. Question number seven is uh, contestants' choice. I have two categories for you. Ooh, all right. Fun. So you can choose whichever one you want. You can either choose TV theme songs, whereby I'll play you a theme song and you just have to identify what show it's from, or celebrity alma maters. Celebrity alma maters. Ooh, shoot. Blah, 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 blah. I'm not okay. These are these are not my strong categories. But let's go. Let's just try theme song and see what happens. All right. TV theme songs. This is an iconic show. And um, you're going to hear the theme song and tell me if you know what it is. Roll it. Chris is thinking celebrity alma maters. Hmm, That sounds good. Uh, No, it's, um, what was the the sci-fi show? Creepy theme. It's a sci-fi show. It is a sci-fi show. I, I'm even pretty sure it's on a network you're familiar with, or used to be. Yeah, I know. Um, uh, uh, it's right here. It's right here. Oh God. Um, it's Bill the Butcher. No. Um, I know. Um, keep playing it again. Maybe it'll jog something. Hit it again. Uh, I, I, I even know the graphic. It has a green graphic yep. with a circle. Yep, yep, yep. What's uh, in the middle of that graphic? Yeah, I know. X-Files. Yeah! Bring her up! I would be bad on, like, anything with a timer. Your extending time really helps me out. But my oh, God, yeah. it's, not, it's not at the forefront of this brain. Why am I asking about the X-Files? Not because it was on Fox. 
Carissa, you came to work for Extra, the uh, celebrity entertainment show. I would like you, if you could, to tell me and tell the listeners and viewers the David Duchovny story. You know, Kyle, you were so well researched. I, I'm question. I'm I'm literally questioning every everything I've ever done in my life because I am not even nearly close to your research. Okay, um, first day I, I'm auditioning for the job at Extra. I meet with this producer. He says, "Here's the series of questions we're going to ask David Duchovny's here. Uh, these are the questions you're going to ask." And it wasn't like there was no like conversation about like, "Oh, maybe you want to ha- ask some supplemental questions or do your own research." It was like, "No, sure. these are the questions you're going to ask." So I was like, "All right, far be it for me to like stray from the agenda questions. Maybe these are, maybe these are PR, you know, pr- publicists approved because that's sure. another thing that's different in um, entertainment." So I walk up, I start my interview, which he's known to be a really tough interview to begin with. He's not going to give you a lot. Uh, said everybody else. So what's I, the setting, Chris? Is this a sit down or stand? Or a quick red carpet? At Universal Studios outside on the the riser, the far stage. There's okay. you know visitors in the park behind us, fans yeah. of the show, whatever. They're thinking, who's this broad? Fine, but we know David Duchovny, so we'll sure. stick with him. At this point, they also have speakers going out to the audience behind us, so they all hear the questions as well. Awkward for what is about to come. I ask him, first question is, uh, so David, you know, man of many talents, but you also speak multiple languages. So that's impressive. Uh, why do you speak Spanish? I don't speak Spanish. To which I, I go, hola. Hey, <laughs> 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 just kidding. Because I'm like, what else I do? Gracias Next por question. nada. <laughs> right. <laughs> Next question is, okay, um, I, okay, maybe you don't speak multiple languages, but I know that you're, you know, a prankster. You love pulling practical jokes on people. Where did that come from? You know, why is that something you like to do? I don't do that. <laughs> Which I look around and I go, gotcha. <laughs> Cause I'm like, okay. the fuck. Like this we are, great. this is now we're overdue on this thing. Right. So finally he looks at me and I was like, someone else wrote these questions. Now I'm going to start asking my own, right? Like I just flipped the whole thing and he right. starts laughing. And so now I'm like, I'm just open and we're going to whatever. I walk off the stage. I looked at him and I was like, this is my audition. And I'm so sorry. I said, I just literally asked you the questions they told me to ask you. And he goes, no, that's cool. I thought you did a good job rebounding. We had microphones on. So the woman who ended up hiring me, Lisa heard that she called me and said, I gave you the, I'm giving you the job at extra for your ability to MacGyver out of situations. <laughs> So I got the job because I made a very awkward situation according to her better and according to him. And then after that, whenever I had to interview him, it was always a running joke. I was like, Hey, hola, como estas? Como te llamas, David? <laughs> well, yeah. it's, it's ironic that the X-Files, the slogan is the truth is out there because I wonder if the truth is, do you honestly not suspect that maybe that was the audition giving you the wrong questions, seeing how you handle with it? I mean, that sounds magical, although I don't believe that he would go with that. He'd be like, don't waste my time, you know, doing that. But no, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, it's funny because he was so stoic and everything. As you're saying, you're a, I hear you're a zany prankster that probably felt all wrong as it's coming out. And yet, like, you get that moment on live TV or I guess a live audition where, like, you can just panic and sweat. Or you can kind of roll with it, and it's very hard to roll with it in the moment. I, I no, think. you're so, and I'll say this, and you can self-deprecate all you want, but like, you're so good at that. Like, that's what—that's who I enjoy watching people on TV who make the most awkward situations 
relatable because the reality is this, I'm the, as David Hill used to tell me, our chairwoman, our chairman at Fox, the, if you're the ombuds woman, right? Like you're the conduit between the audience and the, and the set individual, like do what everybody else at home is thinking just mm-hmm. all attention to how awkward this is. So now I'm sitting at home and we've broke the, I still don't know if it's the third or fourth wall, whatever <laughs> wall it is. I just renovate for a living. <laughs> it's like breaking that wall and making the person at home feel like they're a part of this. Like, yeah, that's so yeah. awkward, isn't it? And now, you know, hopefully like something good comes out of it. No doubt. There's, there's one last thing I remember about the extra job. You and I were working on Fox Sports 1 late at night once and it was in commercial or we're waiting to start or something. And you had said that you had been doing extra all day. And I remember thinking like, you know, I'm, I guess I was kind of surprised that you did that job because all of the like, hey, we're here talking about Kylie's new fragrance. Like it just didn't seem like something that you would be into. Right. And I don't think you are. So how no, do you do that every day? Um, I, I, as I told my, my boss, I don't like entertain. I don't like celebrity, but I like people. And yeah. so for me, if it's okay, I got to promote her fragrance or, or ask her what she's wearing. Like that's part of this, but I like people. And so for me, if I could pull out the person behind the makeup, the dress or whatever, and hopefully extrapolate something or, or find that moment that maybe other people couldn't, because they're so fixated on that said agenda question Mm -hmm. that that is what I really, uh, took, took pride in, right. Where if someone, if I'd walk out in an interview with a celebrity and someone's like, wow, I've never seen him or her open up like that. I'd be like, great. And that's exactly why hopefully that I can keep this job. It was less about the celebrity and more about the moment. That's a great answer. And I have a very challenging hypothetical for you. Here you go. Fox is uh, carrying the Super Bowl one of these years. And like three days before the Super Bowl, the halftime act drops out. They're just like, we're out. We're not doing it. We're not showing up. We're not doing it. Fox comes to you and says, Carissa, we need you. And we're going to do a live 10-minute interview at the Super Bowl halftime. Mm-hmm. Here's the catch, though. We're going to call on all our favors. We can get anybody we want. It's going to be you and three other people. You're going to be interviewing three people. We want one person from the NFL world. We want one person from Hollywood. And the third person can be just kind of whoever you want. But anybody you want will get just to set yourself up for success. There's going to be 150 million people watching. It's live for 10 minutes. Mm. NFL person, Hollywood, and anybody you want. Carissa, who would you put in those chairs? Wow. What do you think? Incredible question. <laughs> Number one, Lenny Kravitz. <laughs> Lenny Kravitz. No one does it like Lenny Kravitz. No one sees Lenny Kravitz and they're like, ooh, why Lenny Kravitz? Like every woman I know is like Lenny Kravitz. Yeah. Every guy's like, he's cool. I and am. he'll entertain, yeah, and he'll entertain us. So Lenny Kravitz okay. is next. Uh, can he be my celebrity? He can be the your, your Hollywood celebrity type or okay, the he's third my one. Hollywood. He's my Hollywood. Hollywood. Lenny Kravitz is in. He's locked. He'll show up. He'll be great. We need an my, NFL and a your choice. And my choice, Justin Timberlake for entertainment. Okay. Because, I mean, if you put him with Lenny Kravitz on already, we got a show. Okay. Because they'll come <laughs> up. They're with- not allowed to perform, Chris. They're just talking. Okay. That's fine. They're, they're both entertaining in their own right. Yep. Okay. So Justin, Lenny, and then from, from the NFL world. Yeah. Who do you got? Uh, Cam Jordan. Cam Jordan from the Saints. Okay, tell, tell about why. Because Cam Jordan's a character and he will he, he will acclimate to any situation. So there's no one that doesn't like Cam Jordan. I've never met someone that's like, that guy's an asshole. And 
his position in and of itself invokes like fear quarterback. I mean, as a defensive mm-hmm. end, he just flies around, but yet is so nice and is so charitable and life of the party and has great style. So I've got Cam Jordan, Lenny and Justin. I'm not going to fail. That's a great answer. Uh, uh, allow me just a slight pushback. Due respect to Cam Jordan. Mm-hmm. You could get, uh, Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, Aaron Rodgers, anybody you want. You could get uh, any player current, past. Cam Jordan's charisma is that much such that you think it would make the group work for 10 minutes for 150 million people. Yes, I do. I do. Because although the other ones might have bigger names, bigger names don't always mean greater performances. And I know that because I've interviewed a lot of big name people and I'm like wake me up when it's over you know maybe that's my fault because my questions aren't that entertaining if you interview them they might be better but i've a lot of big name people don't always you know perform the best wow that is a cool group cam lenny and timberlake do the super bowl halftime with carissa thompson hey you know what you may knock it but it turns out it's gonna be the best one yet I love it. All right. And so four out of seven, Chris, three questions left. You have three shots to tie Aaron Andrews. Question number eight. This is the everybody's favorite category. Finish the lyric. Here's the deal, Chris. I'm going to play you a popular piece of music. You're going to hear the singer going and singing and doing their little thing. It's going to stop on a dime. And when it stops, you have to finish the next line that would continue in the song. Whose line is it anyways? Got it. Yeah, but it's like, whose lyric is it anyway? Think of it that way. All right, Carissa Thompson, listen to it. You're going to know the song, I believe. Finish this lyric. See, now you Thompson's feeling. Isn't it undress me everywhere? That might be. That might I think be it's fun. undress me everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Bonus points for, for the X-rated version of 10 questions. I think that's how they go. Um, all right. So the Barbie world thing. I was watching your piece on Real Sports. I was watching on Real Sports on HBO. And you have this really poignant moment when you're sitting down talking about a time when you were doing sidelines for Fox and you decided to dye your hair. You dyed your hair dark, and I think you got it even at like a drugstore or something, just did it, and your hair was really dark. And you said a very, very loaded quote, I thought. You said, I was sick of being blonde. I wanted to rid myself of the Barbie thing. What's it like to think about that quote these years later? I still feel a little bit of that um, this many years later. And... I feel very grateful that I've been employed long enough to take more chances, whether that's in hairstyles or clothing or whatever. And I would like to believe that my resume would support why I still belong here, independent of what the optics look like. In that particular case, I was only a couple of years into doing sidelines and sideline reporters um, sort of had a stigma around them. Of course, there were these exceptions to every rule and these incredible women that have come before, uh, me and have done such a great job for laying down, you know, the groundwork for credibility and for, you know, being even on the field. Um, but I don't know. I just think that there still was this thing that I was having a couple years into it where I was like, Oh, I'm blonde and I'm a sideline reporter and it felt generic. And so I wanted to buck that trend. And then I immediately got called Lisa Loeb because I wore glasses and I had dark hair. So now I was, 
you know, made fun of on that side and was literally the head spin on dead, dead. I will never forget this dead spin was suicidal path to frumpyville, um, was the headline. And it, it just sort of was like, Oh, okay. So if I'm not Barbie now I'm fat and ugly. And it was like, well, weird that you have to like be one or the other. And then I think after that, I was like, I kind of have this, I think after that, I had this attitude of, you know what? F it. Like, I'm just going to go back to being blonde and I'll be me. And hopefully my words and my, you know, actual performance in this, in this job and my resume will support any hair color or hairstyle I have. What did it feel like when you changed? Was it, was it empowering or was it like wearing a mask? What, what was that like? Um, I'm a contrarian by nature. I want to, I want to see like what happens if I do something. Um, and so, yeah, it was more of a rebelling against Mm -hmm. this stereotype. And then I wanted to, I wanted myself to feel more confident standing there on the sideline. But what I found out is it had nothing to do with my hair at all. Mm -hmm. It had everything to do with like other people's perception of all of a sudden now I had dark hair and having dark hair, you didn't get looked at as much on the sideline. It's weird because the blonde was like, so I don't know. It just blonde hair was, is different. And even this many years later, I've dyed my hair back and forth a hundred different times. I'm walking into a bar with blonde hair is different than walking in with dark hair. It's Mm -hmm. good and bad. Like there's different variations of that. So it's kind of a study in society more than it is just related to my profession at that time as a sideline reporter. I'd like to think, you know, I have a daughter now. I've got sisters. I, I would like to think that the, the the women in journalism has really advanced and made progress. You're an interesting person to ask about it because you've been on camera as a woman for years now, like over a decade. And yeah. so you've been through the whole social media rise and to where you are now. Carissa, like based on the feedback that you get or the toxicity that you get, has it gotten better? Has Have we made progress? So much, so much, Kyle. And I, I got asked, especially when at the height of, of the Me Too movement, and I'm, I'm so grateful for change and advancements in any movement that we've had because it induces change. But I honestly had to say that I wasn't a victim of that. I didn't experience some of the horrible things that other women experienced in their respective positions. I have always been treated with respect. And, and it doesn't mean that like things haven't been said, of course. But I think a lot of it had to do with, I felt like I was more like one of the boys, like being made fun of or joked around with or whatever with guys that I worked with was more of that locker room mentality. I looked at it as like, oh, I'm indoctrinated into this fraternity with these guys and them giving me a hard time about, oh, cool dress Thompson or what are we doing with our hair today? Wasn't being discriminatory or wasn't like looking down on me because I was a woman. It was more of like, we we welcome you into this club where we get to all make fun of each other. And in return, I can say it back to them. So I felt like it was a bunch of big brothers and like having grown up with, you know, a brother and my father having that same kind of thing where I'd walk out of the house and be like, what are you wearing? We're not wearing that to school. That looks terrible. And it wasn't being rude. It was just, you know, being part of the club. So yeah, I've, I've always felt very welcomed and supported in this, in this industry. And, and I, I feel sad for people that haven't always had that experience. Me too. And I'm glad to hear that you, that was your experience. It, it also, it maybe goes a long way when you can quote Bill the Butcher and John Hughes movies. That is really cool. Well, I think you also have to stand up for yourself too. And, and I think the big thing for me where somebody would say something, I was like, yeah, we're not going to, we're not going to do that. I had, yeah. I've had people say something and I was like, that's a little too far, but we're cool. And then I'd fire right back. And then all of a sudden like shut them down a little bit. But I think that it was important for me to say there is a line, like we can go and we can have fun here, but now we're off sides and we're going to throw a flag. 
and there's going to be a penalty involved and we'll move it back and, and, and at least establish some of your own parameters and respect for yourself instead of running to management and complaining about it. it, it for me, I'm like, oh, we're going to make sure that this is known that oh, I got an issue with this. And then, and then that way it's been established. So you have an opportunity to apologize to me because maybe you didn't know it offended me, mm-hmm. but now you get to say, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean anything by that. And I'm like, okay, we're cool. But I just wanted to at least equal the playing field because sometimes people maybe don't know as somebody like me, my personality is so like, ah, like, Oh, I thought she was cool with it. So mm-hmm. just knowing that it goes both ways, because it's also not fair. If you want to compliment a woman and say she looks beautiful, you don't know that maybe that's taken the wrong way. You're just being a nice guy or opening the door for someone. Um, so I don't envy men sometimes in that position too, because you're just being a nice guy and it can be taken the wrong way. So really establishing the rules and saying, Hey, here's the speed limit for this road, go over it and you'll get a ticket. You know, it's funny, the, the way that you lay that out, part of me and my reaction is, it's not that hard. It's not that hard to talk like a normal person. It, it's mm-hmm. not tricky. It's not It's not tough to know what goes too far. It, it really isn't. I, I know maybe some people struggle with it, but I, I think that's like, that sometimes there's a mistruth out there, or maybe some guy's lament is, I don't know, you can't say anything these days. That's not true. Like we say crazy things all the time that push the limit. It's just having a decency and an awareness. And I guess some people just don't or they weren't raised that way. But yeah, I think it's a cop out for men to say, oh, it's these days you can't say anything. You can say anything you want as long as you're not a moron. <laughs> and it's very different. And those, those me alluding to, or not alluding, but me referencing those moments where I'm like, ooh, that's too far. That that was early on where was there was yeah where there wasn't as much of an awareness and that's why I am thankful that certain movements you know in terms of coming along and, and really signaling to people like all right we we have to grow and we have to continue to change and still have fun too right like we can't be the cancel culture that you can't right. say do everything because uh, frankly I'll be out real quick. <laughs> Listen, when Bradshaw's fly was down, the ratings are up. That's how it is. <laughs> Jake said that was a great retort. I, I don't know. I mean, as long as the employer is fine with it. <laughs> they were into it. The fans were into it. And Kate, uh, we have two more questions for Carissa. Okay. We have two left. All right. So here's the good news. You have already tied Aaron Andrews. You've also tied Pat McAfee. So with a five out of 10. I'm in good company. Yeah. So let's go for the win, though. Question number nine. This is exactly what we need right now, Carissa. Your category is relaxation. Relaxation. And it's multiple choice, which is in itself relaxing. Carissa, according to a global survey, what is the most relaxing color? Is it A, emerald green, B, chocolate brown, or C, navy blue? And I'll remind you, you still have the lifeline. Emerald green, chocolate brown, navy blue. What do you think? My birthstone's emerald. No, you're trying to think why it applies to you. My favorite color is blue. Okay. I don't have a chocolate lab, so that doesn't work. Um, but I'll use I'll use our lifeline. All right, bring them in. Young Richie Bozek, our millennial lifeline. Richie, this is the great Carissa Thompson. Say hello. Hi. How's it going? Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. All right, so Richie um, was terrible for Mark Cuban terrible for big boy from outcast but he really helped bill pullman and so i think he can help you richie again i'm gonna give you guys 30 seconds according to a global survey what's the most relaxing color emerald green chocolate brown or navy blue talk it out so the accent wall you have behind you so all right we're in the color we're in the color wheel um 
So the interesting thing about this is I'm partially colorblind, <laughs> but um, I want to go. I like. I just feel like navy blue is the most popular. I feel like it's got to be navy blue. Although okay. emerald green does. Emerald green just sounds relaxing, but I don't know. Navy blue is. Emerald me. green does sound relaxing. You got navy. on blue though. You got on blue. Maybe that's a sign. Uh. Navy can also. I mean, there, there's a lot of navy blue in. I mean, our mil- in the actual navy, but like military, I feel like. All right. Navy, Time is up. Uh, we brought in a colorblind 14-year-old kid to help you with a color question. He suggested maybe it's blue because you're wearing blue, as if I ad-libbed the question after I saw what you were wearing. Richie, I love you. But Carissa, what do you think? Emerald green, chocolate brown, or navy blue? Emerald green. She says emerald green. Is it correct? It's navy blue. No! <laughs> They say it's navy blue. Richie, any parting words? First of all, I'm sorry. No, we were almost there. No, you 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 leaned in towards navy, and I I didn't let you go there. You did. Yeah, it happens. There's one more. We'll get the next one. All right, Richie. Okay. I'm just I'm not asking you anything having to do with the color, Carissa. I'm just asking you about relaxation because of the Calm Down podcast with you and Aaron Andrews. Um, it's. Uh, a riot. I was listening to it yesterday. Uh, someone got an, a uh, woman was almost killed because she had an eight hour wedgie from high waisted pants. Uh-huh. And like, you guys are just chewing it up and talking about sports. Why is it called the calm down podcast? It's called the calm down podcast because we are people that no longer take ourselves too seriously. And so we're just, I'll tell you, he's taking himself too seriously. This do dog walked out. Look at this hey. guy. What's Will- his name? Will- this is Willis. Willis. Willis, do you want to go outside? You're going to need to calm down because we're not ready for you right now. (laughs) It's called calm down because there's too many things in life that just, you know, including ourselves on things that just need to be reminded to calm down. And Mm -hmm. so you guys will talk and you'll be like, let's just check ourselves on this. Let's just relax. Let's chill out. How would you describe it to somebody who hasn't heard it? Like you and Aaron doing... What? Yeah. So Aaron and I have known each other for, you know, 12 years, um, through this industry we met and she was the first person when I walked onto the campus at ESPN, she came running out of the building. She gave me a big hug and she was like, I'm here for you. And it was just the beginning of a, a long friendship that has still like to this day, she's like a sister to me and, um, all the ups and downs through marriage, divorce, and, sure. and trying to have kids and all the other things in between and just a crazy profession where it feels great to have a girlfriend that knows exactly what you're talking about. But in the middle of all of that, um, whether it's, you know, an issue with wardrobe or an issue with an interview gone wrong, or, you know, just something as simple as a bodysuit being way too up in there. Um, we remind ourselves to just calm down and remember that we're very lucky to have these jobs and we're very lucky to like meet incredible people, like yourself. And I'm not just being cheesy by saying that, like we, our best friends and friends that, you know, we will have for life are because of our professions. It's awesome. It's very positive. I, I, my, my spin on it, unfortunately is a little bit negative. I like the image of her running out to meet you and saying, whatever you need, I'm here for you. Does the opposite exist? The whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, um, this is my job and you're new here and I want you to fail. And like, of course, does that happen? Yeah. Michelle, Michelle Beadle and I aren't doing a calm down podcast together. Although I want to call it a calm down. She was not nice to me. Um, there's been, yeah, there's definitely been people. And I'm not just saying that like Michelle, but it's like, I wasn't her cup of tea and she's not my cup of tea and that's cool. But like, it's all right to not like other women. If, if I worked at Hertz rental car, I don't love every other, you know, attendant that, you know, is working in the SUV section. So sure. it's okay to not 
like everyone you work with. My only thing is just be honest about that. Like, I think that people in this industry know if I like them or they don't. And by the way, like my mom always had this expression, Carissa, you don't like everyone. Not everyone's going to like you. So don't take it so personally. And if you give somebody a reason and I, you know, I never blatantly rude, but everyone's got different personalities and sometimes might just be too abrasive. So I need to remind myself to calm down. <laughs> and that's the name I was listening to it. My wife was listening to it. All of you should listen to it because it is two of the most successful people, not women, but people in our industry, just uh, cutting it up and like busting chops. And it's awesome. It's a great thing to listen to while you're driving. Calm down podcast. And we all need to calm TF down, (laughs) Um, especially Carissa, as we finish with question 10, five for nine. All right. So you need this one to beat Aaron and to beat several others. Here we go, Carissa. Question number 10 is always an essay. It's always an essay. I'm sure you wrote many of them when you applied to UCSB back in the day after you established California residency. We know how that went. What I have for you is an opinion that you've stated before or a take as it was. And you're going to have the floor, whatever you want, to sell me on that. If I'm sold by your description in your essay, I'll give you the point. If I'm not, I'm like, no, you're crazy. I actually, Erin Andrews did not get the essay right because she was going to try to convince me that her childhood crush was Kevin McHale. I was like, Kevin McHale? No, no point for you. So here. What you have said before, and I'm skeptical of this take, Carissa. Okay. It's about uh, public figures and celebrities and dealing with them. And you have said, the bigger they are, the nicer they are. I have heard of some big people who are uh, off-putting and condescending and whatnot, but that's not my take. It's yours. The bigger they are, the nicer they are. Sell me on that. The floor is yours. Okay. And this is based off of my experience. So again, it's not, it's not a universal statement already. I'd like to change my thesis statement to (laughs) I Carissa Thompson's experience with the nicer, the star, the bigger, the star, the nicer they are is predicated on experience. Tom Cruise, incredibly gracious, incredibly nice. George Clooney, uh, Ben Affleck, Jake Gyllenhaal, Bradley Cooper, um, Mm -hmm. Meryl Streep, these all have been so kind and so gracious. That's my experience in that situation. Now, again, remembering I'm there to promote their movie. I'm there to ask questions about themselves. So there's an old adage that, you know, especially when you go into an interview, start asking, if you don't, if you're afraid that you're not going to get the job, start asking questions about the person that's interviewing you because people like to hear themselves talk about themselves. So the second that you get that person to start talking about their children, their family, the, their car, anything that they like, then they walk out and they're like, that, that girl's great. No, they just heard themselves talk about themselves. So my biggest thing is in an interview, just continue to praise the star, remind them how great they are and make sure that you ask them questions that will also elicit a reaction that's personal and endearing. And, you know, there to endorse what they're talking about because anything outside of that, again, don't go into those personal questions that you know that they don't want to answer. I'll give you a story. Jennifer Garner was going through her divorce with Ben Affleck. Oh, I, had a, I had an agenda question on my thing. I had to ask her about it. I went like this. I took the microphone. I put it behind my back. I said, I'm supposed to ask you a question. I will lose my job if I don't ask the question. I do not want to ask you this question. I think it's terrible. And I'm so sorry. I'm going to ask this question. She goes, okay. I said, oh, what are you and Ben doing for Halloween? I said, I know you guys will be spending it together. She gave me the most gracious answer. I put the microphone behind my back and I said, I'm so sorry. She goes, no, I gave that answer because you did it that way. And so my thing was just treat people like people and they'll give you, in my experience, a really human response. That is a great response. And Carissa, 
you don't know how telling it is. That's why I was talking to you all about the coffee time establishment. I just knew I just had to get you talking and you would love it. You get the point, Thompson. You got a six out of 10 and you have finished the 10 questions. You beat Aaron Andrews. You beat so many other people. Carissa, six out of 10. How do you feel? I, I feel like I could have done better. I'm very disappointed that the Navy was right there. The MacGyver was right there. Um, yeah, I could have been better, but I, what my takeaway from 10 questions is I'm going to get, I'm going to do a better job and work on, on my own profession because you've reminded me how incredible it is to be interviewed by someone who's so good at his job. So thank you for this. This So you're the best. I I have one more request. Every single person does this, um, before they leave, we do a call out where you think of any public figure that you want and you look in the camera and you challenge them to come into this dojo and try to beat your six out of 10, Carissa. Everybody does it. Keegan, Michael key called out Michael Strahan. Strahan came on in response. That's the way it works. So, Take a second, anybody you want, any public figure you think would be good in this format and talk to him. Oh, I love it. Keegan-Michael Key, fun fact, and I used to host a game show together called Big Saturday Night with Ross Matthews. Free gave away, you know, this is when no one knew who Keegan was and now he's a huge star. Yeah. Um, think? Anybody you like, sports, Hollywood, media, anything. Oh, she's my favorite. Who do you got? Jennifer Lawrence. J-Law. You, you are one of those women that like, when I get around you, I am just that girl who fan girls over you. You are down to earth. You are sweet. I'll never forget the times that I got to interview you. You made me want to like, not like men anymore. So I challenge you to come on the 10 questions with Kyle Brandt. Um, please, please, please. I cannot wait to hear some of the questions that he will ask you with his diligent research. I know that you're about to have a baby, so you may be busy, but you also may have a lot of downtime where the baby's sleeping. So you can come on 10 questions with Kyle Brandt. Do you think she could beat your six out of 10, Carissa? Uh, yeah, I think I, I would. I would. I would definitely think she can beat sixty percent because Jennifer Lawrence can do no wrong in my eyes. Maybe she'll be the first person to get ten out of ten. Maybe so. We've never had it. Eli Manning got nine. A few other people. Jennifer, if you get ten, Jennifer we may have to Lawrence. end the show. That's it. J Law, great call out. That is Carissa Thompson. Carissa, I will end this fittingly and poetically with um, words I know as as your dad once said to you, you don't have to tell people how great you are. If you're great, they'll figure it out. We figured that out about you over the course of an hour. Carissa Thompson, one of the true legends with a six out of 10. Thank you for doing 10 questions. You're the best, my friend. Oh my God, that's so sweet. Thank you. This episode of 10 Questions was produced by Arjuna Ramgopal, Richie Bozek, and Isaiah Lakeman.